Hey Life Canton, Roger here, one of the directors. So glad that you're with us, whether you're returning or a brand new listener. Welcome. If you are brand new, I want to encourage you, uh, like I do every week with our brand new visitors, to fill out a Connect card. We believe that you belong. You belong to God, so you belong to this community. And we want to help you get plugged in. So fill out a Connect card on our Church Center app or our website so that we can help you do that. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. We have a bit of a bittersweet treat today. Uh, It is Pastor Nathan's last message uh, during his time as our head pastor. He does a really good job of bringing one final uh, message to us, one final word from God. I think you're really going to enjoy that. Uh, If you're a brand new listener, um, this is a moment for you too to hear a little bit about who we are as a church and what we care about through Pastor Nathan. But either way, if you believe in the vision of what God is doing at this church, which we do, we wholeheartedly are bought into that vision and have started to discuss that vision at our church, we would encourage you to take this opportunity to give to that vision, um, to support this vision financially. You can give via the Church Center app or on our website. But either way, we encourage you to do that. Um, Now enjoy this message from Pastor Nathan, and I will catch up with you in just a minute. Good morning. My name is Nathan, and I'm excited because that was some wonderful worship. And uh, it's so hopeful and full of joy that in the midst of storms, there's this hope that rises inside of us, and that's going to connect right into what we're talking about today. And then as we celebrate Jesus Christ, our hope at the end. I'm so glad that you are here. Again, my name is Pastor Nathan. And man, uh, if you're new or this is your first time, Welcome. Don't worry. We're not going to single you out or make it do anything weird. Uh, We're just happy that you are here. Uh, We want you to know that you belong no matter how you walked in here, whether you're someone who believes as we do or not, whether you're someone who had a really bad day or you're coming in excited. um, I don't know what you came in with, but what I know is that God is going to meet you in this moment and that you're going to have an encounter through Jesus, not just through me, through the worship but the people around you, uh, a church that loves God and wants to spread that love everywhere. If you are new, please let us know you're here. You can fill out a Connect card, a QR code that'll pop up uh, on the screen, or you can let us know by coming uh, out to the Welcome Center. Uh, It's a great opportunity for you to take your next steps as we move forward. Uh, We're in a series called Cross Equals Love, um, but we're taking a little bit of a break from that to have one uh, message as I'm preaching for the last time. Uh, But it's still going to focus on what we've been talking about this entire series was the suffering of Jesus Christ and an invitation of us to walk into that. And so I want to share with you today, we're going to dive right into the Word of God, into the New Testament, into Romans 5, 1 through um, 5. You can get that out and we'll be going through that. But I want to read it for you. You just take a moment um, just to breathe. <laughs> you're here and maybe it's your first time or your anticipation uh, of what's happening later in the week. There's a lot going on. You just take a moment just to breathe and allow the Word of God to speak to you. For those who've never heard these verses, it can speak to you in a new way, uh, a way that maybe you've not heard before. But those who have heard these verses, let it be refreshed in your mind. This is what the Word of God says, Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. 
This is a, a great verse. I want to point out one thing before we go. I preached on this before. We stand on grace and we boast in the hope of glory. What that means is God has died for us in Jesus Christ. He died for us. And when he died, he gave us hope. And we stand on that. Jared said it earlier that the only reason why we're here is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But then we get to boast in the glory of God. That's what we do when we worship. We raise our hands and we sing like, hope is going to arise because of Jesus Christ and what he has done. We glory in him. But I want to focus on this next part, the first half of verse 3, which says this. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Now that is an interesting phrase. Anyone here glory in your sufferings? Do you revel in them? Are you excited when you suffer? Um, I don't. I don't like it. I don't like suffering at all. I I find it inconvenient. Uh, How about you? For sure. This is a weird sentence. Often when we read the Bible, we should recognize that there are weird sentences in the Bible. And this one is one I want to focus on today. Now, Paul is talking about suffering regarding persecution in much of the New Testament. But he's also talking about suffering that comes from this process of growing in our faith because of circumstances in the world and then sacrifice. So I want to talk about that concept of suffering. But let's define it real quick. What is suffering? Suffering is the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. Anyone in here undergoing any pain, distress, or hardship? We're laughing. That's funny. Like, yes, we're all like, yes, I am in pain right now. Like, I am in distress right now. I'm experiencing hardship. This world, in a lot of ways, is pain. Let me break it down even more. I think there are kind of three ways that we suffer in this world. One is through circumstances. We suffer through circumstances. Maybe you were born uh, with a disability or you lost use or, or can't do what you used to be able to do, and it's hard. Life is hard. It's difficult. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you're dealing with cancer or other sicknesses. Maybe you're dealing with hunger. You just don't have enough food to eat. There's also mental illnesses that are prevalent in our society in our day where we suffer. Sometimes we know I shouldn't feel this way. This is not reality, but I feel this way. And it feels like it'll never change discrimination, persecution, all of these things. We suffer because in this world you will have trouble and it's hard. Anyone suffering in their circumstance right now. But there are other sufferings. Sufferings that happen because we follow Jesus Christ. We choose to follow him. We die to ourselves, and we pick up this new way. And in that moment of death and resurrection, we start a process which is called sanctification. That's a churchy word, right? What does sanctification mean? It means this process of dying to the old ways of thinking and doing and being and rising in a new way, the way of Jesus Christ. And it's painful. It is not fun to change, to be transformed. I won't be on the screen, but listen to Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. If we follow Jesus, we choose to follow him. It says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new and the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It is our opportunity, it is our joy to sacrifice, to suffer 
as we are sanctified. But it's not fun to be confronted about those issues. Anyone ever uh, been confronted and said, hey, you're pretty prideful. You're pretty arrogant. Anyone had someone say that to you? Man, that's not a very fun thing to say. Thank good. Man, someone just raised their hand. I am not going to point them out, but that is a really humble thing to do, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, someone tells me every day I'm prideful. That that's shows actually some humility there. Or selfish, or lazy, you name it. It's not fun to confront character flaws or actions that we do that don't line up with God's plan for us. It's not fun, but it is good. So there's suffering in circumstances, suffering in this process of being sanctified, and then there's the suffering through sacrifice, sacrificing for the kingdom of God, choosing to believe in the kingdom of God and to live for that instead of your own ways, your own wealth, your own satisfaction, our time, our talent, and our treasure sacrificed for the kingdom of God so other people can experience and encounter Jesus. It's hard. It's difficult. I'd like to add another one to that, and this, this is something that maybe is just an American thing. But our time, our talent, our treasure, and our trajectory. Sometimes God calls us to give over, even the way we're progressing in our life, in our work, and in our status. He says, I want to take you on a different journey. We live in a world that doesn't like suffering. We really, really don't. It's governed and ruled by an enemy of the enemy of God, the enemy of us. And he has infiltrated the culture, right? But he has been subtle about it. So often we say, oh, look what, look what, what you know, Satan's doing over here and there. That. No, 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 there's a subtlety to what he is doing that affects Christians so deeply. He's flipped on its head what our lives should be about and what we should do. I'm throwing some big words at you today, but I want to talk about this concept of hedonism. Now, hedonism is an ethical theory. It's a theory, it's an ethical theory that pleasure, in the sense of satisfaction of your desires, is the highest good and proper aim of a human life. Meaning, you need to go out and pursue whatever makes you feel good. And no one should get in the way of that. You should Pursue pleasure and comfort. If it makes you feel good, go ahead and do it. Hedonism is an ethical theory, but in many ways we've turned this into some part of a religion. And this religion has kind of synchronized with Christianity in some ways, where we believe that salvation is pleasure and comfort and sin is suffering. Meaning something is wrong if you are suffering. It is not right. It is not good. You should not pursue it. Pursue pleasure. All you have to do is look at every commercial you've ever heard, (laughs) and you will hear that your greatest end is pleasure and comfort and entitlement. So buy their stuff. Do what they call you to do. Now, that's a lot of concepts I just threw at you. But in our world, we've come to hate suffering. But there's one area where we get it. We know that suffering is necessary to get something that is good, and that's in fitness. You know that it's, who, who here really loves working out? Who here? Yeah, cool. Who, cool. All us masticists. I love it too. I enjoy it. I enjoy the pain. Who here does it because you have to? Pray, praise God for you, right? Praise God for you. See, we understand this. No one can sit on a couch and get ripped. It's not going to happen. We have all these phrases that help us understand that. 
Have you ever, uh, pain is weakness leaving the body? You know, ever heard that one? I heard a new one that's really, really good. Sweat is fat crying. <laughs> that's good. I, I don't know. Don't look it up because I'm not sure whoever said it's a good person. But, like, that's funny. We get it, don't we? And there are areas where we understand that to get what you want, you need to suffer. And in some ways, we're like, oh, this pain. I woke up in the morning. I know Bob does this all the time. He wakes up and he walks in and he's like limping. And everyone's like, did you break yourself? And you're like, no, I just squatted real good. And I'm sore. And there's like a reveling. Like, I'm sore. I'm in pain. I'm progressing. Right? But man, don't touch our lives with that. Don't touch our lives with that. We don't want pain and suffering in our life. We're conditioned to hate it. And I get it. I really, really do. So let's go back to Romans 5, the first part of verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We revel in them. We get excited. We take pride in our suffering. Praise God, I am suffering. Where's that worship song? I've never heard it. Praise God, I'm suffering. Who says that? Hey, how are you doing, brother? Oh, I'm really suffering for Jesus. I'm just so excited. You'd be like, okay. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you, brother. He's not okay. Like, <laughs> but God has flipped our life upside down. What would make Paul say this? What would make Peter say this? Why would the writers of the New Testament glory in this suffering? I want to talk about that. Before we go too farther, too much farther. I, I want to talk about our refusal to suffer and the ways we cope with it. Because this world is painful and it's hard. And sometimes it has nothing to do with anything we've chosen. It just comes at us and it's hard. I talked to two people today who've gotten diagnoses that are just rough and difficult. And what happens when we have the suffering and we don't embrace it and don't allow, invite God into it and community into it, here's the things that we do. First, we become very self-focused. When pain comes, blinders come on, and all we can see is that pain. We have to fight that. We become fixated, and we forget that other people are suffering. We can't see other people. We can't even look up. It's just like pain, pain, pain. I've got to look at it, and I've got to change it. That's all I can see. And God is calling us to have a bigger perspective. So I'm questioning, when you suffer, do you become very self-focused? The second thing people do is they try to control to avoid suffering. You know what I mean? If I do the right thing, save enough money, do this, do that, keep the right people close to me, control how I look, have this management of my image, then I won't suffer pain. People won't push me out. I, I'm going to control the situation. I'm going to do everything I can so that my kids never, ever possibly go hungry. And I'm going to find comfort in that. The question is, are you, are you that person who tries to control your life towards comfort and pleasure and away from pain? Now, this one's almost the other side of the coin, but manipulation. Meaning I'm always going to be careful about what relationships I have because I'm afraid of being hurt. So I'm going to test my relationships and I'm going I'm to need to make sure at work that everyone knows how useful I am, how smart I am, how necessary I am to this company. I'll make sure I never lose my job or I never lose my position in my family or in my friend group. I want to be known in a certain way and so I'm going to manipulate it because I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to suffer. Is that you? Do you manipulate your coworkers, your family, 
We all manipulate social media. I'm just going to throw that out there. But why? Do you manipulate your friends to avoid suffering? Or maybe you're the worrier. The one that if I worry about enough things and I think about it long enough, I'm going to make sure I have a response for every single conversation that might go wrong or any situation that it has. Anyone like that? I, I tend to do that. I tend to be the one who, who like runs everything out to its final conclusion and finds a way to respond to it. So much so that when I've been in the shower and I'm daydreaming, I dream about the apocalypse. Like, that's a weird thing. But like everything goes bad. Like everything is bad. The rule of law is gone. I know the 17 steps I'm going to take to secure my home and make sure everything is okay and have food. Like first you go to Walmart and you see all the stuff you need there. And then you go here and then you come here and then you board up the walls. And what are we going to do about heating? And how are we going to, you know, did anyone else do that? Just me. Sweet. Sweet. Uh, I've been doing that forever. But I do it with little things too. Every situation. Are you a worrier? And if you worry enough, do you think you'll find peace? If I just think through everything, I'll have peace. And the last one's the one that all of us do to some extent, is we either hide, we run, or we numb. We say, I'm experiencing pain, so I'm going to try to avoid that pain. I will avoid other people's pain, because suffering is an indication that something is deeply wrong, so I will ignore it. I'll run away from it. I'll run from suffering. I'll run from people who are suffering. I'll hide. I'll hide in other things and other activities and make myself busy so I can't feel, I can't think. Or I'll numb in eating too much food, in porn, in drugs, in social media, in videos, all of those things. Because I can't feel pain. I can't suffer because it is so bad. I don't know what to do with it that I will do everything I can to be away from it? Are you running or numbing or hiding from pain? Why do I talk about all that? Because all of these actions, as Christians, as those who are following Jesus, they rob us of our purpose. They rob us of our peace. They rob us of our hope. It's like we've sacrificed all of those things, the purpose that God has for us, our peace, our hope, and we put it on the altar of comfort and we sacrifice it And we hope that we're going to feel okay. But all of us know that we truly can't avoid suffering in this world. So let's go back and say, okay, so we're supposed to glory in our suffering. Why? Romans 5, verse 3, the second half. Because we know that suffering produces. That going through suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. That is a strong sentence. We glory in our sufferings because we know at the end of that, hope rises. Man, that's powerful. But let's break this down. Let's break this down. Perseverance is to keep going, to keep standing back up, not being quick to give up. When we suffer, we learn how to persevere through the suffering. We continue moving through the suffering, not alone, not in ignorance of it, but to continue to move through it with our eyes fixed on Jesus saying, hey, you're in control. You're going to get me through this. And then what happens when you do that is character forms inside of you. You become truly resilient You have integrity in your life. You're not prone to move to the right or left to to avoid suffering, but to move through it. And because once you've gone through suffering, you've experienced something, gentleness and kindness comes into your life. Because those people who've been through some things, 
know how to help people who are going through some things. But if you keep trying to avoid being through some things, you're not going to be of any good to those who are going through some things. Do you understand? When we know this, but our heart doesn't know this. A couple weeks ago, I went to Grand Rapids to visit my wife's uh, grandma. And she's an amazing woman, amazing story. It was good to see her. She's 93 years old, and it's just so good to talk to her and to be in her presence. There's, There's this peace of being around her. There's this kindness about her. She was born in 1929, I think, if I got my math right. 1929. That was the middle of the Great Depression. She's what do we call that generation the greatest generation? Because they went through not only the Great Depression, but World War I, World War II, the Cold War, you name it. They've been through some things. And because of that, they are able to offer a peace and a resilience and kindness. Now, all of us admire that. Well, many of us don't want to go through what it takes to become that. To become people who in this suffering and despite it, grow in character and perseverance and we end up in this place of hope. Now, a couple of months ago, I talked about hope. Hope in the world's terms is that things are going to turn out the way I want them to turn out or close to it. I have hope that someday the Detroit Lions will make it to the Super Bowl. Y'all aren't looking at facts. <laughs> that's the world's hope. But that's not the hope we're talking about here. There's a different kind of hope. There's a hope. That means waiting on God to show up, waiting on a person, waiting for God to open the door, to have this peace that results in this resolute faith, a resilient faith that knows that God is going to show up in his way, in his timing. Do you know that this kind of hope is an essential human emotion? This is how we persist in control, control Not our circumstances, but how we move through them. It's feeling, yes, but it's experiential knowledge of who God is. And that's why they can say it is a joy to suffer like Jesus because there is transformation in that moment. There's a transformation of who you are as you move through suffering. That's powerful. Now I want to jump from Paul to Peter. 1 Peter 4.13. And he doubles down on this. He says, but rejoice, not just glory and revel, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. He's saying the more you suffer with Christ, the more joy and glory you are going to experience later and now. Now, I want to pause for a minute on Peter. Because Peter, this is decades after he spent time with Jesus, after Jesus died and resurrected, went to heaven. This is decades later, because this is not the Peter that I meet in the Gospels, the story of Jesus, the biography of Jesus. I meet a very different Peter there. In the beginning, um, while Peter was with Jesus, Jesus was telling his disciples, and he tells them for the first time, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. And Peter, who already believes that Jesus is God, he stated it. Peter, who's already walked on water, Peter, who has seen the power of God, takes Jesus aside and says, hey, I need to talk to you. Never will you die. I will not allow you to go through this suffering. 
Whoo, Peter, you got some stones on you, man. You tell God what to do. And so much so that Jesus rebukes him and says, get behind me, Satan. And he's saying, you are listening to the world who says, suffering is not the way, but this is my way. Well, Peter gets rebuked, and then later, later, maybe he didn't learn his lesson because as he's getting betrayed, Jesus is getting betrayed. They're coming up to get him. Peter's there. He draws his sword, and he straight cuts the ear off of one of the people coming for him. Everyone gets like freaked out for a moment. Jesus stops, and he turns to Peter, and he says, shall I not drink from the cup that my father has given me, the cup of suffering? They say, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to break. My body's going to be beaten and abused and destroyed, and then I'm going to die for you. Shall I not do this? See, in theory and practice, Peter chose to reject suffering for the kingdom, and we do it all the time. We tell God what he's supposed to do and what he can't do. And then when he speaks and he calls us to embrace the circumstances or the sanctification or the sacrifice he has called us to, we actively work against his will. If there is no suffering, there is no cross. There's no cross. There's no death. And if there's no death, There's no need for resurrection. And if there's no resurrection for us, then we will never truly live life. 1 Peter 4.13 says this again, rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Peter repented and over decades embraced suffering To the point where, like Paul, he reveled in his suffering because he knew that it produced not only a transformation in him, but a testimony to the world of who God is and the hope that we have in him. Transformation and testimony. We're going to sing a song at the end here. And one of the lines says this, if the cross brings transformation, then I will be crucified with you. Are you willing to sing that? Are you willing to live that? See, the song we're going to sing at the end, it's dangerous. And we've been singing it for a while. We've been singing it for a couple weeks. And as I watch us, and we sing these words, and we say, if the cross brings transformation, I'll be crucified with you. And then we go, why is this hurt? Because we're fighting against a world who has not shown us how to suffer, has not shown us the hope that comes from it or the comfort and kindness that we can offer others. I'm going to tell you a faith that is resilient is only gained by the grace of suffering with Jesus. If we never sacrifice, if we never die to something, we do not participate then in the resurrection. We refuse to be transformed by the experience. When we run from suffering, we refuse to join Christ's work that he did while he was here. Jesus suffered while he taught. He suffered, and people maligned him, and he was in pain, and he went and did that for us. But when we run from suffering, we also refuse to join the greatest work of love in all of human history. We talk about the cross equals love. That's a torture device. 
It is a device of shame where they would hang them naked and make fun of them and jeer and they would slowly suffocate and die. How could that mean love? Because he suffered and died for you that you might have life. And that work of love on the cross is something we are invited into to be part of that. Not everybody in history has been able to be part of that, but you, every single one of you, have been invited into that to suffer for a purpose. Because when we suffer on the cross of Jesus Christ, it becomes a testimony, a story of the hope and truth of Jesus to those who are in a world, who are hurting, who are in pain, who are confused. And they need hope that's not based on things turning out the way they want them, but hope that God will show up. We have no testimony if we do not suffer for the kingdom. But Joy um, is one of our, on our leadership team. And I was talking to him the other day. We were eating lunch together. And he was, uh, he's an encourager if you know him. If you know Bajoy, he is the biggest encourager you have ever met. His love and faith in God is such an inspiration to me. But he said to me, he goes, you know, we've gone through some pain and hurt as a church recently. Um, We're going through some transition and all of that. That Those are the reality, but we were talking about that. And he says, I cannot wait to see how our church goes through the pain we are going through because I believe that we'll do it in a way that shows how much we hope and trust in God and the world will not be able to deny it. Oh, see, he looks at suffering as an opportunity for testimony. He looks at suffering and says, it's not something we have to run through something that we get to show that God is good through. Hmm. So I want to talk to you if you're suffering in the circumstances, if you're suffering in sanctification, if you're suffering in sacrifice, what God has to say to you. If you're suffering in the circumstances, things that you don't control, it looks like embracing the hope that God is in control. Not trying to escape or numb the pain, but to embrace it and to wait there for God to show up, to show up and do something. And the word of God, it says, those who wait on the Lord, that's those who hope on the Lord, will renew their strength. They'll rise on wings like eagles. And I don't know where you're at in the moment with the suffering and circumstances, and you're telling me, man, that you are offering me something I just don't want to believe in. But I believe that God, as you turn to him, will take you to a place of hope, and trust in him. That same song has a line that says, if he puts me in the fire, then I'll rejoice because you are there too. It's referring to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who instead of worshiping the false idol, they said, hey, we're not gonna do that. They said, fine, we're gonna put you into a furnace. And they said, put us in the furnace. Put us in the fire. I'm gonna serve God no matter what. And even if our God does not show up, we will still worship him. A testimony that has gone through thousands of years to us. If you're suffering in sanctification, meaning God is addressing some painful things inside of you, I want you to rejoice because the word of God says he disciplines the ones he loves. He chastens the one who is called child. If you are being disciplined, if God is correcting you on some things, it means he loves you. That you are not just some person I don't care about or someone I save. It's not an impersonal God. It's a God who is close and says, I love you and I can't leave you this way. 
I have things for you. I have things for you. Same song we're going to sing says, take away all the other idols until there's nothing left. That is probably one of the most dangerous phrases we could be singing. Do you realize what we're saying? We're saying that the things we find comfort in, the things that we find identity in, the things that we find purpose in that are not of God, those are idols, meaning we're worshiping something with our life and attention and gratitude that isn't God. And we're saying, God, strip that away so I can love you with all my heart and soul and mind. Dangerous. Those idols can look like lots of different things. It could be sports teams or money or status. We can even make our family an idol. God says, you want me to strip that away? Okay, I will. I will. So do not be surprised. Rejoice because he loves you. And on the other side is more hope and joy and purpose and love than you can possibly imagine. Finally, suffering and sacrifice. It's choosing to suffer, choosing to give up for the kingdom, your money, your time, that promotion, the things of the world. Saying, no, if I do those things, that will take me farther away from ministering and loving to my neighbor, ministering and loving to my church community, going out into the world and sacrificing. If I buy that thing, I can't invest here. Choosing to sacrifice, to stay in it, to stay present, it produces something powerful. All of these things produce hope, an experiential knowledge, a peace that transcends understanding that God will show up, and he'll show up for you, and he'll show up for others to endure because God is moving. Now, he doesn't end in Romans. I want to pick it up in the last verse. Romans 5, 5 says this. Paul says, and hope does not put us to shame. Meaning hoping in God will never go. You'll never go, oh, I shouldn't have hoped in God. I shouldn't have trusted in God. He didn't show up. No, it'll never put you to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There is a hope that comes that going through suffering, but in the midst of suffering, God is with you and his love gives you strength and is poured out inside of you. He's going to show you his love. Even if you feel distant from him, right now he's gonna show you his love. He's gonna show up. He's gonna remind you of who he is to give you the strength to go through what he's calling you to go through. So that's Paul back to Peter again. 1 Peter 5.10. And the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, listen, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. God will not leave you there. God will come to you, show his love through it, and then after a little while, he will restore you. He will come and make you firm and steadfast. If we do not embrace suffering, we will not experience hope rising, and our testimony and our transformation will be sacrificed on an altar of comfort, of numbing, of convenience. In this moment, I'm going to transfer, I'm going to transition from being your pastor, from we to me talking to you, from being your pastor, transitioning to a place where now, now I'm no longer your pastor, 
I'm your champion. I'm the one who believes in this church, who believes in what's happening here, who believes in you. I'm going from we to me now talking to you, to embracing Paul and Peter's role as they moved on, as I move on to embrace this and to challenge you. You, life king, must embrace the sacrifice and suffering of Jesus Christ. You must. My final charge to you is this. That if you are suffering in circumstance, if you are in pain because of what is happening, push in. Push into the experience. Grieve. Be frustrated with God. Be angry with him. Be present with other people. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fire. They were never alone. Not just because Jesus showed up in the midst of it, but because they had each other. Do not leave here without getting prayer. Do not leave here without getting connection. Do not do this alone. You need people. Second, what we're going through right now, what we went through as a church, what you're going to go through, it's going to be a good thing. And it may feel like suffering, but God wants you to be sanctified in the suffering, to allow the discomfort, the pain, the frustration to transform you into something new together. So here is my charge to you. Stay here. Step in. Push in. Transitions can be hard for a church because it feels like, what are we doing? We already know what we're doing. You know who you are as a church. Stay. And not just stay, not just wait and see. Push in. Embrace the conversations you need to have. And if applicable, seek reconciliation. Extend forgiveness. Stay. And finally, sacrifice. Sacrifice for what God is going to do. Give all that you have for his glory. Push in, get involved, volunteer, serve, give, go, be part of the vision. My last charge. Reclaim your identity in Jesus. And bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. last thing I want to do with you the last thing I want to do is I want to celebrate communion because it's all about Jesus that we are unified forever in the body of Jesus Christ we're going to do it a little bit different than maybe we've done it in a long time here normally we have the little cups and you, we take it at our seats and we have the bread and the juice and we have it at our seats or in groups we still have those available if you feel more comfortable but today as well as gluten free options if you need them But today we're going to do something called intinction. And intinction is where you take a piece of bread, you're going to tear it off, and and then you're going to dip it in the juice, and then you're going to eat it. And the last thing I want to do with you is to do that for every one of you at the front. I'm going to, in a moment, I'm going to invite Jared to come and do that with me as a way of saying, hey, this is what matters. What matters about all of this is that we are unified in Christ. They were unified in him. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 through 27. 
For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks to God for the bread, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Saying that his body would be broken. He would be beat and scorched. And he said, this was for you. And when you eat this, you remember. You remember what I did for you. In the same way, after they had eaten, he took the cup. And he said to them, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And in this moment, he is saying, I'm going to pour out my life's blood for you. And I want you to remember that sacrifice. That that is what unifies you together. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we're going to take communion now. And what you're going to do is you're going to come forward down the center aisles. I encourage you to come down the center aisles and then go off to the right here. If you need the cups, you can grab that. If you need gluten-free options there. And we're going to come up and, and uh, uh, Jared's going to have the bread. And you're going to pick a piece of bread off of it. And he's going to say to you, the body of Christ broken for you. And you can say, thanks be to God. You can say whatever you want or say nothing. And then you'll dip it in the cup and I'll be holding the cup. And I'll say the blood of Christ shed for you. You can say, praise be to God, whatever you need to do. Let that be a moment as we transition from one leader to the next that we remember who we are in Jesus Christ. Welcome back. I hope you were encouraged by that message. I'm not going to say uh, enjoy because Pastor Nathan talked about a really difficult topic, uh, suffering, our role in it and our call to it as Christians. But I do hope you were encouraged. Um, I do hope that it, it painted maybe your current suffering in a different light um, and encouraged you and gave you the strength to push into it and push through it. Uh, we thank Pastor Nathan for that message and for everything that he has done for this church, everything he has led here. Uh, and we're so excited to see where God takes him next. But if you are someone in our congregation who needs support, whether that's prayer or, or anything else, please fill out a Connect card and let us know. We want to be there to pray for you and support you in whatever way that we can. I hope you have a blessed week. I hope that this week you see your suffering and your trials in a new light, whatever they may be. And we'll see you again real soon.